This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. I just want to say thank you to everyone joining us online right now. We see you, and we're so glad that you're with us. And, you know, as we continue walking forward through this coming out of COVID reality, there's going to come a day where we will all be able to be back together and but until then, that distance doesn't separate you from us. We're so glad you're joining us today. So, hey, my, my name's Joel. In case you don't know that, um, and some of you some of you might know that that's my name, but that's all you know about me. So uh, we're so excited to continually becoming part of church with you as we're stepping into this new season of life together. And I, I don't know if you've been watching the news at all, but do you know something really exciting happened this week? Disneyland sold tickets. Oh, it was crazy. I, I remember going online that day and it just said, hey, you have over an hour to wait. And they weren't kidding because <laughs> it was a lot of times. And some of my friends were able to get tickets and they have plans to go. And, and yeah, I see you, Jason. So excited. Yes. Um, so it's, it's, it's so fun. But I, it, it just made me remember when, when our family used to live in SoCal and we were close enough to Disneyland and we would go there all the time, especially when our girls were really, really little. And we would just have a blast as a family. But when your kids are really little, like, you're just kind of stuck to certain parts of the park. Like you're doing Dumbo a whole lot and, and looking at like the, the fountain like that. I mean, there, there's like some limitations, but I remember when our oldest daughter, Indy started to kind of get bigger and she could roam and, and she was suddenly like, let me out of the stroller. Like I want to own this park. And, and it was just so fun to kind of watch her. And I remember we would just kind of like let her lead and we would, we would, follow her around and suddenly her eyes just started looking up and she realized there was so much more to this park than Dumbo. And I remember she sees this epic mountain. First time in her life she'd ever seen snow. She didn't realize it wasn't real snow, but you know, in her little kid mind, she's like, and she just points at it. And I look at her and I'm like, oh yeah, you want to do the Matterhorn. Okay, let's do this. And I remember, so we walk up to the Matterhorn, and we're approaching it, and, and I can see the line isn't too bad, and I'm super excited about this because, like, I love the Matterhorn. And this is old-school Matterhorn where you sit on that bench, and you hope the seat keeps you in the ride. It's that Matterhorn, not like the new, oh, let's make it safe Matterhorn. This was like the fun Matterhorn. And I remember as we're walking up, I see the signs, and it says, minimum height requirements. And I look at Indy, and I look at the line, and I'm like, ah. I don't know. And so she goes and she stands next to it. And I just have to look at her and I say, I'm sorry, kid. You don't measure up. And it was like this really sad moment in like the happiest place on earth. But have you ever felt like that in life? Like, like, like there's, there's expectations that you just don't feel like you measure up to. Whether it's something that somebody else puts on you or you put on yourself. That's never a good moment. I mean, let me ask the risky question. Like, have you ever felt like that with God? Like, have you ever wondered, like, God, do you, do you actually have expectations for my life? Like, are there things that you, you intended for me, that you desire for me, that you want from me? And, and you wonder, do I, do I measure up to that? And like, what, what do we do with that question when, when we're wrestling with it? I mean, I think there's some, some ways that we try to deal with that question on our own. I, I think one of the ways we try to deal with that question when we're just wondering, like, do I, do I measure up to whatever God would expect from me is we just kind of fake it. Like, yeah, I do. 
I mean, it's one of the things like, like the religious game teaches us to play the masks that we put on and we just kind of like go around pretending like, I'm good, you good, I'm good. And, and it, it's just not the best way to live life because it doesn't really allow us to live as genuine people trying to walk together honestly. I mean, it's one of the reasons why some people don't like to come to church because it feels fake to them. And yet there are those that we, we don't like that, so we swing in a whole other direction and we don't want to play the fake it game. But we don't like that feeling of expectation, especially if it feels like those expectations are being put on us by other people because they're like the rule keepers and then they put all those rules on us and, and it creates this defensiveness in us. I mean, have you ever felt that? The defensive is like, how dare you? And we love to quote Jesus in those moments. Like, don't judge me as I'm judging you for judging me. And then it's just this confusing, vicious cycle and it's just never, like that doesn't feel good either. Which is why I think some people, the option that they choose, they go in another direction. They just try to dismiss the whole thing. Like, forget this. I don't want to have to figure this out or wrestle with this. I'm just like, it's just, God does, doesn't exist. Let's just get rid of it. Problem solved. Except it doesn't really deal with the reality of the weight. Or just because I dismiss God doesn't mean God doesn't exist. Like, if God's real, he exists regardless. Just like, as much as I was upset about the Matterhorn, I couldn't dismiss it and make it go away. And I think when we, when we try to do those options, I think something happens that, that we actually begin to diminish the potential of this life we're capable of experiencing. Because I think there is this, this something inside of every single one of us that wants to live a really great life, a, a big life, a life that matters, a life that has impact. And, and if God is real and God did create us and he's good, then I think it would stand to reason that he probably does have some expectations for us, but not like burdensome expectations, but like hopeful expectations. Like, I, I formed you. I know who you are. I, I want to lead you into your best. There's things I want to show you about what I created you for. Like, like, I, like we were created by God so that we would be like him. We, we would know him and, and experience the best of what he has in life, and we would reflect him to one another. And so I think there, there's this sense of God, like that there are expectations because there's this epic life he wants to give us. So how do we measure up to that? Like how do we step into that life he has for us? And that's why we're chasing after Jesus today. That's why we're looking to him because Jesus has a lot to say to us about this whole idea. And, and so we're in this series right now that we started last week called A New Way to Be Human. And we're looking to Jesus to show us this life because Jesus said something really awesome. He said that he came to give us life, life to its fullest. There's this life that he wants to lead us into that would be the best possible life we could ever hope to know. And so we want to look to him, to what he has to say to us, that, that as we look to Jesus, he doesn't simply say, hey, good luck figuring it out. He says, walk with me. And I'll, I'll lead you into that life. I'll show you this new way of being human, and I will help you step into it with me. And so this is why we look to Jesus and chase after him. And, and so we're going to jump back into what he has to say here, because if we lean in and listen carefully, I think Jesus is going to help us see how we can step into this life, this life that God has for us. So Jesus continues in this famous teaching that we, that we affectionately call the Sermon on the Mount because apparently he sat on a mount and gave a sermon, so we got a very clever name for it. And so Jesus begins to teach, and this is what he says. He says, hey, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come 
to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. So he's, he's speaking as a Jewish rabbi in his day to this Jewish crowd, and, and he's trying to help them say, hey, I didn't come to get rid of all of the stuff that was part of our story as a people where God was speaking to us and sharing things with us. He's like, I didn't come to get rid of that. No, I came to accomplish its purpose. And, and what Jesus is trying to do in this moment is to clear up some controversy that was happening around him because he was so unlike any teacher in their day doing incredible things, meeting with people that were marginalized, showing this picture of God that they'd never seen before. So people were like, I guess, I guess that old stuff is done. And, and, and maybe Jesus is like, don't, hey, the rules don't matter. And we're like, there's just so this confusion. And so Jesus is trying to clear this up. And, and so he goes on and he says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And so this is just interesting. Here's Jesus. He's not getting rid of it. He's actually affirming this thing called the law that was a part of their life. He's affirming it because the law was meant to be a good thing that would help people understand God's heart for them and how they were meant to live so I, I don't know how familiar you are with any of this but like there's those 10 the big 10 we call them you know those have you heard of those the 10 commandments like somewhat kind of familiar Th- those capture a lot of this stuff and this is some of what jesus was talking about and and if you really look at these 10 commandments that the goal of them was to help us understand god's heart for us in our relationship with him and our relationship with other people And so when you look at these 10, if you break them down, the first four have to do with how we interact and relate to God. It's like one of them is like God saying, hey, I'm God, so don't have any other gods. And you're like, well, that seems kind of like exclusive, God. And he's like, look, if that's the truth, that's just reality. And, And I want you to understand that if you understand that I'm God and you follow me, that's your best life. Because if you chase other gods, they're counterfeits. But that's that's an example of the first four, right? And then the other six have to do with our relationships with each other. So it's stuff like, hey, don't, don't murder each other. That sounds kind of important. <laughs> or like, don't, don't lie about each other or don't cheat on each other or don't steal stuff from each other or don't want to do those things to one another. And, and so they have everything to do with our relationships with each other. And, and if you really break it down, I, I think you look at them and you're like, I, I actually think these are good things. Like, I certainly want you to embrace those in your relationship to me. (laughs) And yet, I think we struggle with them at times. I think part of the struggle with this whole law thing isn't necessarily that we disagree with them. I don't think any of us would look at those and go, those are terrible. I think our struggle with them is that we're not always good at them. I know I'm not. How about you? You can point at someone next to you if you want. That's fine. <laughs> and I think, that, I think, honestly, that's what we wrestle with this sometimes. It's like, oh, if this is, if this is the minimum height requirement, I don't, I don't know if I measure up. And so what do you do with somebody that really wants to step into that life, but they're not really good at it? Well, I, I think there's a couple of options that we've tried. I mean, I think one option is just, okay, let's just lower the standard so that it doesn't matter anymore. So you're not good at this loving God thing? Okay, don't worry about it. Just do your own thing. 
he's big, he'll be fine. Just chase after whatever you want in life. It'll work out just fine for you. I mean, that's kind of what we do. Or, hey, you're, you're somebody that, like, you, you kind of lie and cheat and steal. You be you. But, like, who wants, who wants to live like that, really? Like, it, like if we lower the standard, it, it, it seems like we're settling for less than this, this epic life I think God really would want to give us. It'd be like showing up and, I, and we can't go on the Matterhorn, so we're like, tear it down. Get rid of all the big rides around here. Let's just go on Dumbo for the rest of our life. And, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to settle for Dumbo. If I wanted Dumbo, I would have gone to Legoland, not Disneyland. I came to Disneyland because I wanted to experience something really great. And so if option one is lowering the standard, it just seems like, again, we're, we're settling for something less than this life that God would want us to have. So maybe there's another option. Let's call this option two. Try harder. Whoa, that was scary to hear that echo. <laughs> I will not be that preacher. <laughs> Although this is what those guys say. <laughs> Try harder, right? Like just pull up your bootstraps and just be better at being better. And really what that means is just be better than the people around you. I mean, competitive people really like this option number two and and when we go that route, it might actually make us feel good for a little bit, but I don't think it really actually makes us good. I think more often than not, it just makes us mean. And, and so here's Jesus walking his way through this teaching, and, and he says something next because he's actually pointing us to something beyond these options, beyond option one and option two, beyond lowering the standard or trying harder because he understands there's a better way. And so he says these words, which would have been like shell-shocking for his first audience back in the day. And he says, but I warn you, unless your righteousness, and we'll come back to that word in just a minute. He goes, but unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, this would have been shocking to his crowd in that day because the people he's talking about, these religious people and the Pharisees who were like the best of the best in their own mind, like they were the best at option two. And what he's saying is like, no, no, don't be like them. You're meant to be something better than that. In fact, Jesus will talk about their righteousness at other points in time, and he describes them as like whitewashed tombs. Basically, you're a good-looking cemetery, but inside it's just death and decay. It's... It's not the way. Option two is not what produces the life God intended for us. And so what Jesus is talking about is this thing called righteousness. How many of you use that word in just casual conversation this week with friends? Like, no, not a whole lot. But I was really familiar with this word as a kid growing up in SoCal, hanging around the surf culture of my day. Like, all of my friends were like, righteous, bro! And it was so funny to hear him say it because when the surfer uses the word righteous, you know what they mean by that? Like when the surfer looks at the wave and she says, that's a righteous wave. What she means is that wave is as it's meant to be. Like that wave is going to produce the thrill, the experience, the fun that I want. So this is something righteous. And I think surfers nailed the word. Because I think when Jesus is talking about this righteous life that, that we're meant to step into, it's the same idea because to, to be righteous like Jesus is talking about is, is to be who we were meant to be and to be how we were meant to be. And it's a beautiful thing. 
And it's this other way of thinking about life, to, to live in the reality of life that God created us to experience as we would know him and walk with him. And, and so there's this whole other way of measuring up that Jesus is trying to point us to that has nothing to do with option one, which is lowering the standard, or option two, which is trying harder. Because either of those totally missed the point of what this law thing was meant to help us understand. See, because this isn't about some external measuring up by lowering it or trying harder. So the point of the law was to help us understand an, an internal dynamic going on inside of us. A, a kind of disconnect from this life we're meant for, this life that I think we all long for, and the life that we so often choose to live. That, that there was a heart issue going on. That what's going on here is something inside of us, not about this external thing that, that would cause us to step back and go, hey, I, I might need some help with this. And, and so Jesus continues in his teaching to help us see this, that he's, he's pointing to a deeper reality, trying to raise our awareness of something else that God is doing. And he's actually going to give six examples of missing the point that, the, that we do with the law. And, he, and he's going to say the, this phrase several times. He's going to say, so you've heard it said, and he's going to quote something from the law. He says, but I tell you. And when he does that, what he's trying to do is point to this deeper thing going on. He's actually trying to raise our awareness of it. And so we're not going to read every single thing he has to say about this, but I just want to skim through these so we get the point, because I think if we grab what he's saying, it'll help us recognize he's trying to point us to something better than option one or option two. And so here's Jesus, and he goes on with the first of the examples, and he says, hey, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. So like, the point he's trying to make is that the goal in life is to not simply not take people out. Like, like the goal is to have something going on inside of you that you don't even want to take people out. As much as that happens on the construction on 101 right now. <laughs> but there's this deeper issue that he's pointing to. That there, There's this heart thing that he's trying to help us understand. Like, that's the point to, to recognize that, hey, that, that, that my desire to do that might mean I need help with something going on inside of me. Second example he gives is, hey, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, you see, see the point of what he's saying? It's not simply about not doing this thing. It's, it's about what's going on in my heart that would cause me to look at somebody and treat them as an object and not a human with incredible value. Because when we begin to do that to one another, we, we actually dehumanize ourselves and one another. And what Jesus is saying, hey, there's a heart thing. I'm trying to raise awareness of a deeper issue going on. And so he goes on and he says this, and this, this is a heavy one. He says, you've heard the law that says that a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce especially back in that day, this patriarchal culture where men could just look at their wives and say, I'm done with you and easily get out of it. And Jesus says, but I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she's been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. Like, Jesus, that, that, that's heavy. And I think what Jesus is, again, trying to help us understand is that there's this deeper thing that he's trying to help us see in how we choose to do our relationships with each other. And I, I know so many of my friends that this is part of their story and there's so much hurt. I don't know anyone 
who said, when I got married, I couldn't wait for the day that this thing blew up. And yet that's where so many of us are right now. And, and we know the hurt and pain of this. And I think the point that Jesus is trying to help us understand is, hey, I, I want you to see that there's something deeper going on in, in the heart that should cause you to say, maybe I need help. And when Jesus says something heavy like this, I think we've got to remember that he's trying to help us. He's trying to point us to something better than how we so often experience life as it is. Something better than trying to measure up by either lowering the standard or just trying harder. And so he goes on, and in another example, he says, Hey, you've also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. And he wraps this up with this section. He goes, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Because again, he, he's pointing to this deeper issue that's going on by trying to raise our awareness of this. Think, why do we make vows? Why do we have contracts and things like that? Isn't it because at some level we really don't trust each other? How much better would it be if we were just people of integrity that could be trusted that when I said yes, you knew it meant it. When I said no, you knew it meant it. That would be pretty righteous, right? <laughs> Again, this deeper thing he's trying to help us understand. He goes on, the, the fifth example, he goes, hey, you've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. And see, the point of this law that was given was to help mitigate vengeance. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Don't go beyond that. The punishment should fit the crime. But does that really work? Like when we try to live that out, when, when somebody's like, okay, you wronged me, now I'm going to wrong you the same way. Do you ever go, sweet, now we're even? No, like whenever you've been wrong, regardless of the cycle, you're like, that felt more than the other, so now I'm going to hurt you back. I was watching this, this video on Facebook years ago before we had Vines and Instagram and TikTok and all that, but it was just these, these three little boys at a birthday party, like two years old, and they're all sitting around the table, and someone's bringing the birthday cake, and they're flipping out with their excitement. And they're just like, Wah! And so this one kid on the end, his arms are flailing, and he just swings, and he totally hits this other kid in the face by accident. And the kid who got hit in the face, he doesn't see where it came from because he was looking at the candles and he's so excited that he's looking around and he sees the kid sitting next to him, not the kid that hit him laughing. And you can just see in his mind, he thinks it's him. So he just cock, cold cocks, hits that kid. <laughs> and then that kid starts crying and then he comes around and hits the first kid. It's like, that, that's what this cycle is. And, and again, what Jesus is saying is like, wouldn't it be better if we could be people who could learn to step into this thing called forgiveness? Like, like, give mercy and grace and kindness to other people even when they've wronged us. Again, wouldn't that be so much more righteous? <laughs> and again, this is what he's going at. This is what he's talking about. And the last one, he says, hey, you've heard that the law says that love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. It's because, again, it's how our world operates, isn't it? Just kind of our world is like, hey, love the people you like. You can hate everybody else. If you don't believe me, just look online. If you're of this political persuasion, everyone else is fair game. And that's just how our world works. And again, here's Jesus saying, but isn't, it, isn't there a better way? Like, wouldn't it be better if, if we were more like dad? More like God? Because he, he loves everyone. 
And he, he extends that love to everyone. Wouldn't it be better if we could be like that? And again, this is this heart issue that Jesus is, is helping us understand. Like, do we have God's heart for others as we're going through life? And so if we're tracking with Jesus here, and we're paying attention to what he's saying, I think this should cause us to pause in this moment and recognize something. This is hard. Like, this, like, this is, like, crazy hard. Like, Jesus, this, this is a lot harder than we realized. Like, in each of these examples, as Jesus is trying to point to this deeper thing, and he's raising our awareness, it's almost like he's raising the standard a little bit more than before. Because the standard isn't you and I comparing ourselves to one another. Because listen to what he says next. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And what Jesus is saying here is that this is who we're meant to be like. Like God created us in his image so we would be like him in this world, that we, we would know him and reflect him to one another. That when I looked at you, I would see God's goodness and beauty and truth in your life and in your story, and you would see the same in me. That's how we were meant to live life. And it's incredible and amazing as that sounds, I look at me and I'm like, shoot, dang, that's not me. Like in and of myself, that's not who I am. It's like we show up to the ride, we're so excited to get on it, and then we're like, wait, what is the height requirement? <laughs> who is the requirement? Wait, what? And if I show up to the ride and I thought I was the bee's knees and I thought I had it all figured out, I suddenly realize, well, not so much now. And if I was shown up to the ride and I was already wrestling with that feeling of measuring up, what do I do now? And let's not forget who's talking to us. This is Jesus talking to us because he's wanting to show us something better than how we've been experiencing life on our own. He's wanting to point us to a better way to live life. He's always looking out for us. He's always wanting to lead us into good things for us. And see, Jesus is not going to say something hard to us because he's trying to mess us up. If he says something that's hard to grab onto, it's because he's trying to wake us up to something that he wants to lead us into. And so I think it's important that we remember what he said at the start of this whole section when he was talking about what he came to do. This is what he says. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the, pro the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. See, when Jesus says, I came to accomplish their purpose, he, he's talking about this idea, I came to complete the assignment. I, I came to do this thing that is so hard. I came to fulfill it to the fullest, so much so that I have done it in a way that when I live up to the expectation of God wanted, my good life spills out to those around me, which is why it's so cool when you get close to Jesus, because the closer you get to Jesus, you realize that the goodness he lived, he now wants to give us. He's like a cup that's overflowing with goodness, and the closer we get, it spills into our life, and his goodness becomes part of our story. He's so good to us like that. It's like Jesus comes and says, I've come to do what you couldn't. And not in a na-na-na-na-na kind of way. 
I came to do what you couldn't so that when you meet me, you can begin to live the life you were created for. I've come to complete the assignment and invite you to step into this life with me. And so I remember that moment when we're just looking at the height requirement for the Matterhorn, and I'm looking at Indy, and I'm like, there is no way this kid measures up. <laughs> like, I could put all the toilet paper in the world in her shoes. It ain't going to happen. And then I read the fine print. Unless accompanied by an adult. Oh, and then I looked at her like, game is on, girl. You're with me. And we are getting on that ride. And Christy looks at me like, are you serious? And I'm like, we got this. <laughs> and I said, kid, you're with me now. And we're going on this ride. And we went on the Matterhorn, and it was an epic adventure. She was screaming and yelling and cheering and having the time of her life because that's the thing in her heart she wanted more than anything else. And because she was with me, she measured up. And see, friends, that's the hope we have in Jesus. That when he shows up to the story, we measure up because we're with him now. It means we've been set free. Like, we don't have to play the stupid games anymore. Like, we don't have to try to measure up on our own. We, we don't have to get frustrated and just throw in the towel or play the fake mask or dismiss it or walk away or get upset. We walk into those moments or those spaces where we see the life that God wants for us, which can sometimes feel so unattainable on our own, and we look to Jesus and we say, can you help me? And Jesus is like, absolutely. That's why I came. And when we're going through life and we feel like we don't measure up, what we do is we look to him and we say, would you lift me up? And he takes us by the hand and he says, let's walk into this life together. And he begins to do his good work in us. And he begins to change us and grow us. And the more you walk with Jesus, the more you start to become the person you've longed to be your whole life. And that's why we're looking at him, because he's teaching us this new way to be human as we walk with him. And so I, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're carrying or trying to figure out. But here's what I do know. Jesus is for you today. He's for you because he wants to lead you into the life he's come to give you. And so as you walk into this week, stop trying to measure up. Put that down. Because Jesus is setting you free to live this life with him. And when you run into those things that feel like they're beyond you, you look at him and you say, hey, can you get me on the ride? And he looks at you and he goes, oh, yeah. You and me, we got this. So let's step into this moment together. And so let's invite him to come and do his work. Let's invite him to meet us in this moment. As we go into this song, let's make this song a prayer that we could sing to him, asking him to do his work. And let's ask him to keep doing it as we walk with him this whole week. And so let me pray for us, and then I want to invite you to stand as we go into this last song together. And so Jesus, we want to come into your presence in this moment. And we want to acknowledge the beautiful hope that you're a part of our story. And Jesus, there are times where we just don't feel like we're measuring up. And, and part of that is because it's true. But that truth isn't what defines us. It's the truth of your love that now defines us. And so we look to you to lift us up into this life you've come to give us. Thank you that you accomplished the purpose on our behalf. And that because of you, 
we can experience this righteousness and walk into the life we were created for. And so would you come and meet us right now, wherever we're at, through your spirit at work in the space, would you whisper your love and your hope? Would you remind us of the life you've come to give us? And would we take a step with you into that life with our arms open? We see that Matterhorn. Let's chase after it. Because that's the life we were created for. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.